Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. Here's your host, Tom Bourne. Hi, and welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. I'm your host, Tom Bourne, and with me today is Stuart Farkasson. Stuart, how are you? Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for for having us. It's a a lovely day. In fact, I'd suggest a perfect day in Perth. And you're in Perth at the moment, too. I am in Perth. I have recently just been over to the US where I went through Nashville, Kentucky, Ohio, Minnesota, whole range of places, and, and then through the UK as well. We, we've got a, a whole bunch of clients there. Oh, excellent. And how's the feeling in the lovely US? US is great. It was, tell you what, it was bloody hot there. They were going through some massive heat wave, but US is great. I mean, it's a huge country, a lot of people, pretty diverse culture in a lot of areas, but a lot of it extremely hospitable people over in the u.s everyone's everyone wants to show off their country the most yeah which is yeah. great yeah i i have a lot of time for when i was over in the u.s in 2016 I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself i gather it wasn't so warm over in the uk though <laughs> no it's, i mean warm in the uk is 28 degrees isn't it even though it was summer it was still raining every second day when i was there and it hasn't been the greatest summer over there. I think in May it was quite all right, but yeah, it was raining most of the time. I was only there for a couple of weeks, though. So. Oh, excellent. All right, Stuart, you've got a extensive history in safety, but where did it begin and why? Why did it begin? I guess, well, we started what we did. So just a bit of a background on myself. I've, I've got a safety background. I've worked in mine, roads, rail, construction, mm. utilities, all within that kind of safety space. And what we found was that in every single industry, we noticed that the guys on the ground or the workers on the ground were very frustrated with writing out long-winded processes, which they didn't see have a huge impact for the workers. And it was actually one of the workers on the ground in a roads project came up to me and said, Stu, this absolutely sucks. Can't we just talk about it? And we're like, well, yeah, you should be talking about it. That's probably the most important thing. 
And that paperwork is supposed to guide that conversation. So if we can create something else where you don't need to write anything out and you can just talk about it and we can capture that conversation as your either risk assessment or toolbox or whatever you want to call it, then it'll just make life a lot easier for you and, uh, and a lot more efficient and far more engaging as well. So that's that was how we all started and probably about a thousand different iterations of risk talk later. And, and we're here today and the workers on the ground love it. Mm. So interesting thing, risk talk. Where, where I'm going out and seeing people, I would say 90% of people will publicly support paper-based systems and tow company lines. But when you actually take them away from their peers and actually, you know, they'll quietly tell you the honest truth, which is they feel like they're drowning in paperwork. They feel like they're drowning in paperwork, which is sometimes pointless or meaningless and that it's there as part of a process and it doesn't really have a purpose other than, you know, to tick a box at the moment. Is that what you've been finding? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what a lot of the guys on the ground, ground find is that you're they're filling out this paperwork not for them. They're, they're filling it out so someone in upper management potentially doesn't go to prison or doesn't get fined when... Mm they tick these boxes or they fill out this paper. So, and that's not the goal of what we're trying to achieve at all. I mean, and I mean, I, you might've read the book paper safe by, by Greg Smith. I mean, and that kind of reiterates this point. It's like that the paperwork sh- needs to be really replicating what you're doing on site, not um, just trying to tick boxes to try and keep you compliant or anything like that. And what we're trying to achieve, I guess, through our, our voice tech is we want it just to be as real as possible and we want it to be built for that worker on the ground. And if they need to understand that, the message has to be, come across. It's like, this isn't for managers. This isn't for your CEO or anything like that. This is all for the workers on the ground to try and get them thinking critically about what they're doing, having the conversation, telling stories. We love people telling stories. So, I mean, oldest form of risk management. It's like, don't eat that berry. John got sick last time he did that. Anything like that. So just that little transfer of knowledge is awesome. We love that kind of stuff. And that's all part of risk management on site, not filling out little boxes to try and appease your managers. Yeah. As I said, you've got quite a, a background in safety. My experience with paperwork, and particularly JHAs, JSEAs, JSAs, whatever you want to call them, is uh, that that there is good intent behind them originally. The good intent was to actually use the experience of the people working on the site to identify the risks and the hazards and and, and propose control measures which were effective and they were willing to work with in that environment. But we somehow got away from that, didn't we? I mean, the philosophy behind it's amazing. So, and that hasn't particularly changed in what 100 years or so. The fact of, well, what are we doing? What can hurt us? And how are we stopping things from hurting us is the, are the basic kind of principles of, a, of risk management, essentially. And, and those philosophies are awesome. But as soon as your head goes down into a piece of paper, you stop looking up and looking at what you're actually doing. You, you ruin that communication because there's no eye contact, there's no nodding, there's no gesticulating which are all different forms of communication which you need to be able to do to get your point across or emphasise certain things. Or, I mean, maybe if you're falling from heights from six metres, you want to emphasise, well, this is a really dangerous thing. 
whereas if you get a little pinch from something which might only cause a nick in the finger it's a less dangerous thing but if you're having a conversation then you can really communicate like any emphasis on well what is actually really important compared to what is not and it's very hard to write that down especially for uh, i guess what we're built for blue collar workers so heavy industry blue collar workers people who want to use their hand people who are good at using their hands to do their job they didn't kind of get into these industries to be writing out a whole bunch of paperwork actually one of their greatest fears is is being caught not being able to read and write to a high enough standard let alone the handwriting itself um being completely illiterate half the time i mean i'm as bad at uh, as anyone with handwriting i don't think uh being on our laptops the entire time has helped with that but uh, but yeah essentially like we just want people's heads up um not having to think about, well, am I going to spell this word incorrectly and people are going to laugh at me for it, anything like that. We just want them to be able to think about what they're doing, communicate about what, what they're actually going to do and then go ahead with their work in a safe manner. Yeah, yeah. One of the great things I noticed about them always is, well, when I've seen them is we usually have one or two people who are the usual scribe now we've got a couple of people who put a bit of input in and then we've got the rest of the crew who basically are off having a smoke or a vape or doing something. And then at the end, we basically, they basically get called in, sign this, and they haven't even read it. They haven't even contributed to the risk assessment in any other way other than to say they're going to do it. So anything, I think, which avoids those sort of situations has to be good. So tell me, how does... How does risk talk work? Because I've only heard about it through third party. What I've heard is very good, but let's let's see if what I actually heard was correct. So can you just tell us a bit about it? Yeah. Well, it's still a kind of guided process, but it's it's more like that freedom within a framework kind of philosophy. So we have a big red button. We don't do any voice to text in front of anyone. No better way to ruin a conversation or get people's eyes going down onto a tablet or phone. So we, we take away anything like that. We open up the conversation so people actually look up. They use a philosophy called point and call as well, mm-hmm. or Shisakanko, based out of Japan. So they'll say, and it's been proven to have a huge impact in, in injury reduction. But they'll say, well, they'll walk around their piece of equipment or walk around their site or walk around their work area and go, right, well, there's people coming in over there. Let's go have a chat with them so they don't come into our work area or... There's a pothole over there. Let's fill that. So they'll point at different things and then people look at those things. Um, but it also increases that engagement as well. But it's essentially just a big red button. Uh, we capture the voice files as well, which is important. We find there's so much data in voice files. As we said, we're built for the worker on the ground. So everything that goes in our application needs to be one of three philosophies. That needs to be either more engaging, more efficient, or more intuitive. And if it's any of those things, then we love adding that into our application. But the likes of like, I won't mention the company's name, huge mining organization say, oh, can we add these checklists in? And it's like, well, how is that helping your 50,000 workers on the ground, um, making them all go through this extra step, which doesn't actually have an impact. And it's just so some upper manager can have a slightly prettier graph. Mm-hmm. And we really want to avoid that. We want to go, right, this is built for you, built for you to have a conversation with your people, talk about how you're actually going to do the task. We do have critical risk profiles and things like that in there. So if you are working at heights, we want to know that you're trained and competent. 
we want to know that you've checked your equipment and that kind of stuff. But otherwise, it's it's really open to be able to get people uh, having that conversation. And then we can capture all that. We can analyze it to your heart's content because it's really cool. It's real data as well. Mm -hmm. What we find is that people do like will put in very specific controls to very specific risks. There's heaps less of, you know, like slips, trips, falls, housekeeping, something that doesn't like really lead to any actions. Mm -hmm. So what we do find is people like, well, the, the one I just had to listen to today is like, all right, we've got a guy doing some hot works over there, the boilermaker. We're going to go have a chat with him just to make sure that he doesn't come into our work area and he stays and we stay out of his work area and that kind of stuff. So it's like, well, great. It's a really good form of communication. It's good to see that your head's up, you've acknowledged it, and you've had a chat with your other people about it as well. I mean, not not to mention, like, there's no better way for a, someone senior in that work group to understand what his other apprentice or junior people know about their work environment. Mm. So, I mean, if you've got the same scribe that's constantly going, like, writing out every time, probably the same stuff, and then just getting people to come in and uh, and sign it, then there's no transfer of knowledge, really. Um, you don't get a good understanding of what other people know in your work group. But if you have that conversation, you get a really, really good understanding. Yeah. It's, it's pretty powerful. With the risk assessments, the way that you, you set it up for groups who are doing risk assessments pre-task, for example, do you, do you, do you require everyone in the group to actually have their voice recorded on the system? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, every company can use the tool the way they want to really, but your voice is a very powerful digital signature. Mm -hmm. So if is say worst case scenario was to happen something bad or the regulator goes, well, was this person involved? If they've actually been involved in the conversation or at the end they come in and say their name and say, yes, I'm happy with the controls in place, that digital signature of someone's voice is very powerful and it's very hard to forge a voice, which is why the tax office and stuff is using a lot of voice tech these days. But yeah, best case scenario is everyone's involved in the conversation the whole way through. We know some people are a little bit more shy, but you do need to say something at least once during the whole thing, whether it's your name to say that you're signing on to this thing, just to have your kind of your digital input into it, your footprint. It, it sounds fairly intuitive insofar as, I don't know, there are people my age and above who can actually remember what it was like maybe before we had paper-based risk assessments. We you might turn up at a site or you started to do a job and you'd look and go, well, this looks a bit dicey. What do you reckon? And you'd actually have a conversation. Now, the interesting yeah. thing the interesting thing is, back in those days, we still didn't kill everyone by not filling out paperwork. The jobs still got done and got done predominantly in a safe manner. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I... I think it's a great idea. I think it's really good. Is it, do you see it as a, a replacement for those risk assessments or do you see it as an add-on? I see it as a replacement, completely re replacement. Like, and this is kind of your, it, everyone around the world calls it something slightly different, as you'll say, like a dynamic risk assessment in, they like calling that in the UK, 
it gets used for like a lot of like pre-start meetings or toolbox talks or mm. whatever tailbacks or whatever people want to call them in the US. And I see it replacing a JHA or a JSA or a JSEA. Mm. There's nothing worse for the people on the ground than having to do things twice. Mm. So getting them to go and filling out a whole bunch of paper, which often doesn't reflect the work and then going having the conversation on top of that. So, well, what's really the point when we can just do things once, have that conversation still a reasonably guided conversation. And I mean, you can change the questions throughout it, especially like on a, like pretty dynamically as well. So say if something's happening in industry, for example, there might've been a fatality in the rail industry fairly recently. We've got companies who have gone, well, let's make sure that we know that all our rolling stock is isolated before we work on it. Let's ask a question to our rail team. So how are you going to be isolating your rolling stock before we start working on it? Yeah. Something like that. And then they can all acknowledge it. They can say how they're doing it. And then they can learn from that as well. Okay. Even even things like, like upper managers, especially when you're not like, a, I'm not talking about supervisor or, or superintendent level who are generally more on the ground. They understand what their people are going through. But managers who are like in the head office and things, they often don't have an understanding of things that people are going through on the ground. And one really good example was that, and this was also in a rail team, they were talking about hydraulic injection the entire time. And the guys in the head office had no idea they were talking about it, but they went back, had a look at the system and go, oh, in the key phrases, these guys are always talking about hydraulic injection. And that was because someone went around and showed a video of what, what hydraulic injection, what happened to this person. And so they were able to run like toolbox talks to say, well, this is how it can happen. This is how you respond to it immediately. This is who you call. This is what could happen. And this is how it could have eventuated and anything like that. So the people on the ground were a lot more comfortable working around hydraulic equipment. But at least that kind of form of communication has been made and it can be made globally. So you can hear it, but within limits. And obviously that we got a high level of security. But if you're on the other side of the world, you can hear what some of your teammates are talking about on the other side of the world. So it's... Uh, it's a pretty cool tool for communication and, and understanding what your people are actually going through. Yeah. Some some of the organisations that I've dealt with have fairly structured layouts to risk assessments, escalation processes. If you get a risk rating of X, you have to get sign-off here and you have to get this, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Would this, A, help a supervisor understand how the crew came up with their risk assessment results and the control measures they've agreed to before they sign off. And the second one is, would it be quicker for a supervisor who's on maybe the other side of a site, and some of these sites we're talking about kilometres long, to actually be able to, to hear this and give the verbal go-ahead on, on, on this situation rather than travel all the way over to review paperwork. Absolutely. That's exactly what it gets used for. So the supervisor can be on the other side of the site or other side of the country. So keep in mind, we, we work a lot with utilities as well. Mm-hmm. Utilities and construction, like who work in a whole bunch of different states, but they can sign off on, say, a JSA or a JHA from their own device, listen to it, read it if they want. So we do do voice to text, but it's, it's hidden and in the back end. So you can come back and read what you've said, but it's not in front of you. 
but yeah, they can sign off on it on the spot and it definitely gets used for that in a really big way. Massive big time saving on that. But at least the supervisor who's not there can get a good understanding, can say, yep, I'm, you can proceed with that, give the approval or disapprove it if they want. They can go disapprove, leave a voice note to say, guys, you haven't considered these things. Did you hear this happened last time? I want you to talk about that with your team before you start. And then they can go back, make a small change, and then it can go back to the supervisor and then gets approved. Absolutely. That's a, it's a really, really good use case that you just spoke of. It, sorry, I, I might just add to that. Risk ratings. Risk rating. We are finding more and more companies. So often, like as you say, if you hit a risk rating, then you might need higher level approval. We are finding more and more companies moving away from that because, as you could imagine, the worker on the ground will do anything to not need that approval. So, mm. so we've got we've got a huge mining organization. They did ten thousand of them recently, and like two of them hit the level where it needs high level uh, manager approval. Um, whereas they're doing a high risk task the entire time. Yeah. So most of them should have been. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today sign off on by managers but they're like well it'll just take longer to get work done so this i mean we all know what it's like people will choose the right color rather than change the decision made on the ground yeah yeah i'm glad you said that because i I was speaking to a group of supervisors less than a week ago and i mentioned this and i got the skeptical look like really i don't think that's the case and i'm going well i'm pretty sure that's the case that if if it requires to get approval and to, to waste time for a supervisor to come from that end of a site over here to review it, that will make an adjustment here and it's oh, it's good enough. It's good enough because most people I know are goal-orientated and they want to get stuff done. And, you know, getting supervisor's approval, it's just a waste of time, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm really glad you actually talked about that. All right. Does it rely on Wi-Fi or cellular access? No, it's we, we're we built in offline first mode. Mm-hmm. So it can all be done offline. So, I mean, when we decided to build Risk Talk ages ago, we wanted to consider the people working in the middle of the outback. And I'm not talking mm. about mine sites. I'm talking like geotech, mm. like looking for stuff out in the middle of nowhere. So they can all use it as well. They don't need it. I mean, there are limitations if you don't have any cellular connection or Wi-Fi, being you don't get live feedback to like head office or, or your supervisors can't access it from the other side of a site because it'll all store on your phone before or your device before 
um, it become before you get proper Wi-Fi or connection. So there are limitations if you don't have that. However, it still works perfectly. The, the user, end user, doesn't get impacted whatsoever. Good, good, good. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely an important part of what we do. Even in construction, for example, like people are underneath like six slabs of concrete and they might not have any Wi-Fi connection. Mine sites generally aren't that bad, whereas people working in the middle of nowhere, that's where, or, or in construction actually have a lot of harder, well, quite a, not harder issues anyway. Yeah, yeah. All right. I've tentatively, with some groups, actually mentioned that, you know, there, there might be something out there. And when I have, most people tend to, their eyes become open and they, they start to think of things and imagine things done differently than what they've currently got, which is which is a good thing. Are businesses embracing risk talk? And this is another part of it. Why should they? Why should they? Wow. There's a range of reasons why you should, because you want to listen to your people talking. You want to understand their knowledge. Mm. You want to get them communicating with each other and, and capture that rather than the paperwork, which often doesn't reflect the work. Also, I mean, just the time saved in it. Like when, we, when we've done time in motion studies, and I understand that every company runs that kind of their risk management processes slightly different. So... But some of the time and motion studies that we've done, one of the companies, it took two minutes and 48 seconds to have a conversation about how they're going to do their work, mm-hmm. which is, is pretty quick. But then prior to that, they were doing JHAs, which they didn't do it at site. They printed it out, went into a crib room. They wrote it all out. Well, one person wrote it all out. The other were on Facebook or Instagram or having a smoke outside, as you're saying. And that took about 35 minutes. So if you can imagine these guys all being on 150 bucks an hour or something like that, maybe not that, I don't know what they're on. And then you times that by 35 minutes and then you've you've got a huge time saver. So it's, you use it for one day and you've already seen benefit, like value for money out of it, just out of the time and motion study. But as a safety professional, all I want to see is that my people are engaged in that process to be able to perform their work safely and talking about it. That's probably the biggest, biggest thing is what I want to see as a safety person is that engagement piece, which you don't see on a piece of paper, unfortunately. Yeah, good. And really the only way you can do that is through, through a good UX. So user experience is everything. That's why Apple is so successful or, or Google is so successful is because they provide such a good user experience for their workers. And if you don't provide a good user experience, then, then you lose engagement, you get terrible data and people don't see the value in it. And that's where we've come with a lot of the paperwork out there. Mm, true. Are businesses embracing it, taking it on board? Yeah, absolutely. So so we work with a huge range, like a wide range of organisations. So obviously being in West Australia, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger in mining. We've got a couple of really large mining organisations that are starting to take it on board as well as small ones. And also services companies as, as well. Uh, on the East Coast, funnily enough, it's mostly in uh, local councils and, and utilities. So it's quite big in utilities. I mean, you can see on a map where all your people are when they've completed a risk assessment or a JSA or JHO. And New Zealand as well, it's big in that, that utility space. US, they're loving it because you can speak multiple languages into it. So a huge Spanish contingent throughout, throughout the US, especially the southern part of it. And that's mostly construction. 
And and the UK is a, is a broad range of uh, different industries as well, from logistics, um, shipping, roads, demolition, a huge range of things. So it is getting bigger and bigger. I guess we started just before COVID as well, when everyone went into kind of lockdown and didn't want to do anything. So that had a big, pretty big impact on on our work. But since COVID finished, it's kind of just exploded, and people people are a lot more comfortable with voice technology as well, being more comfortable with like things like Siri, Alexa, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Just on that, a couple of few questions: how how accurate? Is it in picking up and being able to identify individual workers, voice? Extremely accurate. We're, I mean, even our voice to text, we run at about 97% accuracy. And that's in 200 different languages and accents as well. So we test in a huge range of different accents. You could imagine Irish or subcontinental people can often be quite hard for us to understand. However, our voice text can understand it a lot better than we can. Also on that, noisy work environments works extremely well in noisy work environments. However, if you're having a conversation, I would recommend that you go to somewhere less noisy mm. <laughs> because you want to make sure that the communications happen between two people. But as far as the technology picking it up, it's, it's quite amazing, actually. Like there's a huge amount of noise cancelling with that application and just and it utilizes the phone's noise cancelling as well. So it's it's really accurate in noisy work environments. Excellent. All right. This is one that I've heard third hand and I, I I haven't asked you this, so it's gonna be a surprise for both of us one way or the other. I've heard I've heard that it's it's good in picking up stresses in people's voices, so much so that it can make a prediction. If a risk assessment was done before a job was undertaken or after the job was finished, is that is that correct? Oh, I am. Um, so what we do is we, we can do emotional analysis. We don't advertise this that much because it's still relatively new for us. And we're using it more to look at psychosocial hazards within the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, whenever someone talks or people talk, we pick up about 6,000 different voice biomarkers from that conversation or if, if, even if it's just one person from the way they talk. And we can start analysing whether are people happy, sad, angry, arousal levels, valence levels, even confidence levels as well. As far as whether it's done before the job or after the job, we do time, date, stamp, geolocate, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that one just yet. However, we probably could measure that out of the the arousal levels because generally you talk in a slightly different manner if you're genuine about what you're talking about and you're at the site thinking about different things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So if you're doing, say, like a JSA in a crib room or in your ute compared to out on site, you see a very different arousal and valence level and even confidence level changes as well. So we do see that kind of difference. I haven't actually had a look at whether it's done after the job or before the job, but that's definitely something that we would like to go down. But as far as the psychosocial uh, hazards in the workplace, we do like to look at that more so on a a metadata or a larger data set to look at systematic issues within a business. So less so individuals, even though we, we, we can look at individuals to say, well, this person's changed recently, maybe go check on them. Mm-hmm. We like to look at it like a, in a broader sense to say, well, this group has gone through a management change or 
they've been put under stress through this. What impact is that having on their emotions? Do we need to do something about it now before anything uh, escalates? Or, or, or even chronic things like, like a chronic creep to go, well, these guys are on a downward trend. Their arousal level's going down. Their anger level's coming up, maybe due to being audited more or anything like that. Often happens towards the end of projects. Let's throw in a little intervention to see how we can change this trend. Yeah. yeah. Would you say, Jess, that's quite capable of catching that magical thing called qualitative data? Yeah. Well... Well, yeah, that's, that's exactly what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, um, yeah. We're always trying to, we're, we're trying to quantitate qualitative information the entire time. Um, and that's just a, a natural thing of what we're trying to do. But uh, yeah, we are capturing qualitative information. Could, could it be used to replace those things, which I think are, no offence, bloody useless, called safety surveys? Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, I don't particularly believe in surveys in general. Mm. I mean, they, they, they do work in certain aspects, I guess, but most surveys limit the response. It's a fairly unnatural way to, to provide information to a company because they're tailored questions to try and achieve tailored answers. And often you'll get the people who the loudest people or want to make the biggest difference, fill out the survey. You don't correctly, a lot of people don't like filling out surveys, so they'll go tick, 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 hand it in if they have to. Mm. So you'll get a, a slightly distorted or, or bastardized data set of what you really want. Obviously, they, they do work in certain uh, aspects, but yeah, that's, we're, we're not big fans of surveys. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah, I'm not we, um, we're, we like to get a very natural response. Yeah, good, good, good. All right. Um, is there anything anything we got planned? Any well, actually, I'm gonna ask you, I'll go, go back to that in a second. Okay, you mentioned about COVID. First of all, can these be actually used instead of paper-based take fives or take times or whatever you want to call them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it works better for the JHA style kind of stuff because it is a really good form of communication. We do have companies that use it specifically for the take five process hmm. or take control or whatever they want to do. Yep. I ju the reason it doesn't work as well with that mm -hmm. is because what we found is that a lot of companies require someone to do, say, three take fives a day. The worker will go in there. In the morning, they'll have filled out 50 take fives for the week <laughs> or whatever. Yep. Then when they get asked, it's like, have you done your have you done your three for the day? Yep, these three. We'll have the rest in their pocket just in case. So now we're actually getting them to stop and think, which might hinder them actually going ahead with work straight away. So it's actually not it's it's more engaging, but yep. it's actually stopping them slightly. So it doesn't quite work as well for that. Unless they do take fast properly and then it works very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's just what we found. But yeah, some companies definitely use it for take fives. See, I, I would think one of the great neglected areas in safety these days is the people who work from home. Uh, to me, there is very little risk assessment goes on or regularly goes on. I mean, you know, I've seen people where they have to yeah. take a photo of their, their work stuff, their work desk, and they basically move everything over the side, take the photo, put everything back. Or they'll, they'll submit a photo of someone else's house and things like that. 
And that's as far as we got. I could see at least yeah. if if you were doing at least if you were doing this, we do actually have people thinking about safety perhaps a bit more whilst they're working at home. So uh, yeah, we, yeah d- during COVID, we did have a few people do like kind of their like a risk assessment for their home work environment. Absolutely. But I mean, then again, you can also because we, we do allow photos and like little videos and things within risk talk as well. You probably still have that same move everything to the side, take the photo and then move <laughs> everything back, I'd imagine. <laughs> I mean, people are designed to take shortcuts. They want to, as you say, goal oriented. So the quicker they can get something done, then and with, with as less, the least amount of hurdles, absolutely, they'll head down that path. Even if it is using risk talk, they'll still take shortcuts if if that's if they don't see it having an impact. So, I mean, it it, it was built for heavier industry where the people are like, more prone to kind of very acute high risk stuff yeah yeah i can see that all right yeah. uh is there any future developments likely with uh risk talk yeah uh, absolutely we've got a roadmap uh as long as the great wall of china um <laughs> the uh I mean, obviously with ai and things coming in more and more and the more data we collect so we've got millions of kind of hours of people talking uh I mean, we do have a, a data agreements with uh, certain companies and stuff like that. But where we want to head eventually is more around the predictive side of things. So if people are talking in a certain manner, then we can say, well, you're doing this task in talking in this manner, not just what they're saying, but how they're saying it as well. That might be a 15% greater chance of an incident or an injury occurring. So you can get a supervisor to go and go, Guys, let's have a, a reset here or, or review it. Um, we, we need massive data sets to be able to do that, but that's we're already heading down that path. Obviously, the emotional analysis and psychosocial hazards is something that we've got a huge focus on over the next year, and we've got our data analysts looking at that very closely. And as always, we're always just trying to improve the user experience for that worker on the ground. Everything's about them. They're the ones at risk. So if we can provide uh, the best user experience for them, then then managers and supervisors and everyone will be happy as well because they're doing it properly, essentially. Yeah, excellent. Just a curious thought, and you can say, no, that's not what it's designed for, Tom. That's okay if you say that. Would it actually be used after incidents in investigations or in, you know, those lovely investigations of bullying and harassment, et cetera, et cetera, to get an indication of, I don't know, let's say the truth of the matter, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, potentially. It does get used essentially for like an incident, like reporting an incident instantly. So like you can capture statements straight away. Mm-hmm. And then you can also see certain stress levels in people's voices and, and that kind of stuff. The truth of the matter is, I mean, that's also in a, a bit in the eye, it's a bit in the eye of the beholder as well. So, I mean, someone might feel they're really being bullied, whereas the, uh, the other person, the bullier, might feel as though they haven't bullied anyone. So it's 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 probably a, a tougher space to play in. Mm-hmm. However, I mean, how fast technology is moving at the moment is definitely something we can we'll be looking at moving forward, especially because we're already capturing kind of incident statements. I mean, imagine someone giving in a verbal statement compared to a, you give them a piece of paper and they're supposed to write out an incident statement mm-hmm. they'll talk like we just had one the other day they spoke for 28 minutes into risk talk and that's tight 
Like, so the voice to text on that came out with about 30 pages of information, probably a bit much <laughs> to absorb all that, but you get so much information, so much rich data when people talk compared to asking them to write these things down. Yeah. Also for, also for things like your field safety observations or field leadership, it's really great for that. Or even reporting acute hazards on the ground. You can go, right, there's this hazards here. This could happen. We need to get it fixed. Take a picture, flicks off to their supervisor and they can action it straight away. Yeah. And e even this, the supervisor can then provide feedback going, right, thanks for sending that through, mate. And we've got the Sparkies coming in to fix it on Thursday. Can you please cordon off the area till then? Yeah, Something like that. Good, good, good. All right. For those who are interested, and I'd, I'd say, dare say that a few more people will be interested in Risk Talk, how do they go about getting some more information? Well, you can always go to our website, which is just risktalk.com.au, or you can contact me, uh, Stuart at risktalk.com.au. You can find me on LinkedIn as well, if you like. We're more than happy to send any information. We do go to quite a few conferences around the world. So hopefully we can see quite a few people there. Yeah, but just, I guess, reach out and we can flick through anything that you like. Beautiful, beautiful. Stuart, it's been wonderful Stuart, talking to you today, but our time has so run out. And so thanks again for coming on. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us on. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening to Health and Safety Conversations with Tom Bourne. Until next time, stay safe and enjoy the rest of your week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you have a story to tell about health and safety? Something that you've learned, experienced, or witnessed? Something that you think could help others? Health and Safety Conversations is a podcast that amplifies the voices of people from all walks of life sharing their stories and experiences about health and safety. We're now taking bookings for recordings for season four, which begins next year. Whether you're a worker, manager, safety professional, or someone who's been personally impacted by a health and safety incident, we wanna hear from you. Your story could help to make a difference in someone else's life. To book a recording, visit our website or send us an email. We look forward to speaking with you soon.